The Premier League season is over, but we still have Champions League and Europa League to come, and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to 5000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me, as usual, is the Leicester City legend, former captain, my co-host, Matt Elliott. Matt, how are you? I'm good, Rob. Thank you. Looking forward to having another chat, as usual, about... All things Leicester City and uh, and beyond. Absolutely, I and mean, there's plenty to discuss. Even though the actions uh, finished again on the pitch, it's been such a stop-start year, hasn't it? I mean, it's taken a whole year to finish the season, but the lads will be away on their summer holidays now because they've only got a couple of weeks before they're back in training for the new campaign. I guess, Matt, this was your favourite time of the year when you were playing. Yeah, do you know what? When you when you look back, I mean, much as you enjoy playing football week in week out and getting as many games as possible under your belt. <laughs> you're constantly looking towards that end of the season, yeah, to get that five, six, seven week break, whichever it may be, and switch off and relax and probably not the right way to look forward to things. You know, you should be concentrating on the games and, you know, enjoying your, your work, which you do, but it's such a relief because it is so intense and you're so focused throughout the campaign to reach that end of season, switch off, is very, very welcome. And the lads won't get very long this uh, this time round, will they? Of course. And it's going to be difficult for them. And they could have a big effect on how the season goes next campaign. Well, hopefully they'll take the, the two weeks to debrief from the uh, the, the season that's just gone because it was a season that ultimately ended in disappointment. And joining us on this week's uh, podcast is Tom Warville, our analytics and stats writer from The Athletic, who's done a wonderful job crunching the numbers and getting the calculator out and using it for other things besides spelling the word boobies to sort of dissect Leicester City's season. And and uh, he helped me with a, an article we wrote where we, we looked at how it developed. Were they overperforming in the first half of the season? Were they under? performing towards the end um tom welcome to the show great to have you thanks uh thanks rob yeah great to be here let's kick off with that then what did you discover when you looked at the stats yeah so it was very much uh something of a case of you know a season of two parts whereas you know to start with there was the uh a few good good results obviously punctuated by the the 9-0 thrashing of southampton um and it feels to me that a narrative or a lot of the narrative at that time was that the team could challenge for the title. They could challenge for, you know, top two um, and, you know, things are looking really rosy. And I think that from kind of looking at uh, looking at essentially expected goals and, and what the quality of chances that Leicester were creating versus um, how many they were scoring, they're benefiting a lot from Jamie Vardy just, you know, finishing literally everything he was touching at that time. Um, and the team were just flying in terms of they were scoring a lot of goals, but the chances that they were creating weren't that sustainable, uh, in you know, over a longer period of time. And what we see is that roughly um, you get to around the, the Watford game earlier in the season um, and things start to kind of trend 
the same between their expected goals and their goal difference. And from there on, they kind of the levels that the team are playing at are kind of fairly consistent. And and I think that maybe some of the noise about them died down. And then come the end of the season, you know, they kind of limped over the line, uh, just finishing outside of the uh, the top four. But Again, results weren't there, but the performances were actually pretty good. And I think that um, Leicester were, were fairly unlucky in the end to, to end up where they have. Um, but I think that, you know, it's a it's a great season. There's obviously been good progress under Brendan Rodgers. And although, you know, results at the end and results at the start are slightly different, the, the performances throughout have been pretty solid. Now, Tom, can you just explain for the, those listeners who, who don't really understand what XG is, what the expected goal ratio is? Because we're talking about XG compared to the actual goal difference and how goal difference was very high compared to the XG first half of the yeah. season. And it's really tailed off towards the end where actually their XG stayed pretty similar, but their goal difference dropped dramatically in the final few games. Yeah, so when, when we talk about XG or expected goals, um, what it is is a uh, a stat that on every single shot we measure how likely that shot is to go in based on the distance it is from the goal, the angle to goal, and that's important because at the moment if you look at the box score of a football match, you've got goals, you've got shots, you've got shots on target, but you know from watching as a fan that intuitively one team can have far better shots than the other, but at the moment there's not really a way to measure that, and that's kind of the the hole that expected goals fills. We can then look at you know what's the quality of chances that we uh, concede versus what we create um, and over a you know a fairly decent sample these things trend really well so if you know midway through the season a team's expected goals is, is 20 and they've only scored 10 goals they kind of trend quite well into the future so if a team scored 20 um, 10 goals and they've got 20 xg you'd think that over the course of the next few games if they keep playing as they are and keep getting the chances they will kind of come in line with those figures um, come the end of the season the key value with expected goals is just it's a, a measure of quality of chances over quantity um, and gives us something that we kind of didn't know really about football before this stat was created. How did Leicester compare to the other top teams? I think you've touched on it very briefly because you said ultimately you thought Leicester were unfortunate to end up where they did in the league. But how did their, for example, their expected goals tally uh, compared to the other top four teams above them? If we look at Leicester's performances through to the 30th of October, which um, is just a, a number I plucked out, but I think it's a, a decent sample. They've got 10 games under their belt at that point. We see that they, uh, they've they scored 25 goals, which is the second most in the league. Man City at that point had scored 32. Um, Liverpool had scored 23. Um, but kind of the underlying expected goals tells us that um, Leicester were good enough for 13.6. So that's a, a massive you know, increase of about 11, 12 goals more than the, the average team um, would have scored, which puts them 10th in the table. So, you know, Man City is creating the best chances, um, but just above them are, you know, Everton, Arsenal, Stampton, even West Ham at that point were creating better quality chances per game. Um, so it kind of shows that the, the finishing was amazing. And this is usually a, a point of debate with expected goals that, um, you know, Jamie Vardy isn't an average finisher. He he does finish above his expected goals um, some seasons, but also others he he concedes less than in line. And then yeah, with with Leicester come the end of the season, they actually you know marginally underperformed. So they they scored 67 goals. Their xG was 63.7. Um, so there's you know roughly three three or four under there, um, and that's best for fourth in the league. So you can see that they've actually got the the fourth best attack. And I think that the thing that's probably let them down slightly is. Um, yeah, on the defensive side. Uh, just uh, moving on to the, the the second part of your analysis was looking at um, the the use of the, the the squad 
over the season. And it's quite noticeable then during that fantastic run in the early part, the, the side that was on the pitch was, was set for a couple of changes, was pretty consistent, wasn't it? We had that regular back four, Johnny Evans, Siunsu, Pereira and Chilwell, uh, Nididi Madison, uh, Tielemans, Barnes seemed to be the preferred out-and-out winger and Jose Perez alongside. That side was pretty consistent right up until the end when the injuries started to hit. But I think the decline started a little bit before that, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think that there was, like you're saying, uh, Robin, that graphic that you can see in the, in the piece on the site, um, the team is just so, so consistent. And obviously, if you're playing your best players, you're, you're going to get better performances than if you're playing, you know, the, the squad level or, or replacement guys beneath it. But yeah, it definitely looks like, and I think that you mentioned it was around the, I think it was the League Cup when you we kind of see like a, a bit of a dip. Um, and there definitely is kind of a, a bit of a drop off. I mentioned earlier the Watford game. Um, there's a period of time when Leicester go on to play, you know, City, Liverpool at home, and even West Ham. And I think that the low point in the season at that point was um, just around Southampton at home where they they lost 2-1 uh, and, and it seems at that point that the the team was kind of on a really bad streak of performances where they're conceding a lot more chances than they're actually creating. Things do pick up from there and, and then from that point onwards um, they remain fairly stable but yeah it's definitely uh, a case where even though the best players are playing the team actually might have been struggling a bit for, for confidence for performances um, around the midpoint of the season. This brings us on nicely then Matt to um, what they do now because obviously the squad wasn't strong enough in depth to cope with those injuries towards the end of the season they didn't have the quality in numbers that their rivals had when they fell away so now we're into a transfer window it's going to be a strange transfer window but it's going to be a key one isn't it especially with they've got Europa League as well to contend with next season and that, and Brendan has said how much he needs to strengthen this squad it's going to be a crucial little period now oh very much so even with all the, the fine needle detailed investigations that there are or you know in a transfer deal these days it, it's still ultimately a little bit of a gamble whenever a player is signed you know whether that's a, a young player from another team who's come through to develop or an established you know a continental star who, who may not settle or fit into the team's ethos and um yeah it's <laughs> you never quite know you're never guaranteed are you as Leicester's fortunes have shown over recent years, really. I mean, they've had some undoubted uh, success, haven't they, in the transfer market. But they've also got a fair few wrong. Um, and they've also made a bit of money themselves along the line, you know, letting big players go, Mahrez and Maguire in particular. Uh, so, you know, by and large, Leicester are pretty competent in that area. And I expect them to, to recruit well again in the summer, though, as you say, to very finely balanced situation isn't it right now with maybe shelving a few players out of the squad that are a little bit long overdue to be leaving and finding a home for them yeah there are areas that need strengthening and but also you need to develop the size of the squad as much or certainly the depth of it with as you rightly say that Europa League it's going to be you know a real tough proposition for Brendan Rodgers in particular you don't get much room for error these days because they're all going to be needed throughout the season. Hello, I'm Joe from TIFO and this is Alex from TIFO. Hi, I'm Alex from TIFO. We're here today to tell you about a little upcoming project that we're doing called Sensible Transfers. Alex, tell the listeners about it. Sensible Transfers looks at where teams are bad, 
why they should upgrade and then picks players based on uh, analytics and video scouting so that it's not the usual tosh that you get in the newspapers. And guess what? There are 10 videos about this going out throughout August on all the biggest teams. There's 11 podcasts on the TIFO Football Podcast covering every team in the Premier League, uh, Celtic and Rangers, the top five in the Championship, and uh, of course, uh, candidates from Serie A, La Liga and the Bundesliga. But that's not all, is it, Alex? Uh, no, it's not. No. This sounds a lot like it. This is a really good advert advert, isn't it? If you are a subscriber to The Athletic, you will find that there is a sensible transfers written piece about every team that The Athletic covers. So if we're not covering you in video, or if 10 minutes on a podcast isn't enough, and you're a Norwich fan, let's say, just as an example, you will find that Michael Bailey has written a superb piece uh, all about Norwich under the guise of sensible transfers. And you can find that on The Athletic app. Well, absolutely, and it brings us to another article I've written. And all these articles are on the, uh, the Athletics website, and you can uh, take advantage of a 30-day free trial by going to theathletic.com forward slash LeicesterPod. Uh, and also, we're uh, celebrating our anniversary as well, so um, look out for some special features as well in the next few days as well. Um, but this article, we, I tried to dissect and look at what I think Leicester City are going to be doing this season. Now, they're already being linked with a number of, of players, but I think they're really having to focus on certain areas because and, and the reason I think that Papi Mendy has been offered a new contract and what we understand, he's very close to signing that and uh, um, continuing with Leicester City when we expected him to be moving on at the end of his contract. And the reason being, I think they've looked at it and thought, well, do we really need to have to get another defensive midfielder in to cover for Wilfred Ndidi when we've already got Mendy in and we're quite happy with him? We need to focus and, and move our resources in other areas. So let's just keep hold of Papi for, for, for now because I think they need a centre-back I think they need an attacking midfield player and I think they need another versatile forward player that can um, add more goals and assists, although Harvey Barnes had a great numbers on his assists last season and did chip in with a few goals. I think they want a few more options to deal with that with that, um, that workload that's going to come. Um, Tom, looking at Leicester City, what areas do you think they will be targeting? Yeah, I think you're right around kind of having another versatile option up front. I mean, looking at the squad, Jamie Vardy's not getting any younger. Um, Ayosi Perez is kind of you know, he's not quite at that level up top. Um, and obviously, Kalecci's done bits um, off the bench and, and, and bits and starts, but it's nothing nothing that you can really build the squad around into the future. So I do wonder if they look to invest in, in someone up top who can play maybe all across the front line. But um, yeah, maybe having said that, Harvey Barnes did have a, a great season this year. I do also think that when James Madison came out of the team uh, towards the end of the season and, and you know, in a few bits where he's missed, uh, missed game time, Maybe the creativity in the middle is, is is lacking slightly, and whether you know Dennis Pratt and um, the others kind of have enough in the bank to replace Madison effectively. Obviously, he's going nowhere with the freshly signed contract. So um, you know, if there's anyone who can maybe unlock defenses a bit more, you know, should he miss any more game time? And then for me, the biggest question marks are going to be whatever happens to Ben Chilwell. How do you do that? How do you um, sort that situation? It seems that James Justin's been serviceable but I don't think he's had the the attacking impact that um, Chilwell's had so um, yeah an di- interesting one there for sure around do you continue to develop a young player in Justin who is evidently Premier League quality or do you spend the money to get someone who's at that level already um, and, and kind of a sort of like for like replacement. 
I mean, they, again, they don't want to be having to replace him because I don't think I think they would have to bring somebody in. Luke Thomas has come through, but it's, I think it's too early for for him to to put your hopes on him. Christian Fuchs has picked up an injury, which looks like it's going to rule him out from the start of the new season. James Justin, who can play left back, is covering for Ricardo Pereira, who's out till October at right back. So that is a real area, Matt, isn't it? That they they don't really want to have to then replace Ben Chilwell in there because they're focusing on trying to get a centre back in, having chosen not to make the loan switch from Ryan Bennett to Wolves permanent. Yeah, that's right. I think uh, you know th- there are certain areas that are more problematic than others, and I think left back is one of them. And as you just mentioned, there are quite a few options, probably more <laughs> options in that position than any other position in isolation, but. At the same time, other than Chilwell, at this moment in time, no one really fits the bill, do they? I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I know certain figures have been banded around with Chilwell. You know, they, they've got to surpass the £80 million that Man United paid for, for Harry Maguire to extract him from the King Power. I don't think it's going to happen. Not, not just yet. Maybe not this season. Uh, and personally, I still think Ben himself has got a bit of development to, to go yet. I think... Uh, you know, he's an England regular. It seems bizarre to say that he's still, you know, in in the, that development process. But I, I feel he hasn't reached his his heights yet, or his, his maximum potential with Leicester yet. You know, and for that reason, and the fact that Leicester obviously keen to keep him, I, I'd like to think that he will stay for the for the near future at the very least. Do you think uh, missing out on top four, missing out on Champions League? Uh, will affect uh, the business that Leicester City uh, can do in this window, and 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 does it also weaken their position with Ben Chilwell? When you know you got the likes of Chelsea who have got Champions League football who can come along as well and entice him with that, and that's another carrot they can dangle in front of him. Yeah, I think it, it goes without saying. You know, listen, every player would prefer to experience the Champions League rather than the Europa. You know, it's a little bit of a mini dent in Leicester's aspirations, but. It's all part of a you know a forward process though, isn't it? And who knows? You know, in, in a converse way, it might serve Esther better for their for their development along the way. It might be more of a steady progress rather than having to, I don't know, maybe jump a little bit and get ahead of themselves, and perhaps look at signing you know semi-established Champions League players where the, the wages go up, the fees go up, the expectancy goes up. All of a sudden, that might be for a couple of years down the line because you know, Le- Leicester, you know, financially sound as they are, they don't have the spend, or you assume they don't have the spending power of the top four. So they've got to be a little bit cute and clever about it. And, you know, they don't want any sort of full sort of manufacturedness about how they play. They, you know, they want to develop from the roots, don't they? Um, you know, a good, solid platform with which to go on and make their charge. And I think the Europa League is is probably, you know, now trying to put a positive spin on missing out on the Champions League here. But, you know, it's, it's not such a bad way of moving forward as a group. Do you like beer? Do you like free beer? As a valued listener, we'd like to bestow upon you just that. Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash 5000 and cover just the postage of £4.95. And 
as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of 5,000 to 1, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 delivers a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power is in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive and a beery snack is thrown in just to top it all off. Don't like dark beers? Choose the light plan easy. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash 5000 to get your case free. And don't forget right now, 5001 listeners get two extra free beers. Tom, I said about there might not be massive deals done uh, in this window, lest they're going to be um, a little bit cuter than that. They're operating in a different market to everybody else. But there's been reports in Spain that they've made an audacious um, offer for Francesco Trincao, the Portuguese winger who Barcelona only signed uh, recently. And he's got a 500 uh, million euro buyout clause, apparently. But according to the reports in Spain, that Leicester have, have asked to take him on loan for two years with a buy of... 50 million euro at the end of it. I mean, what have you made of that? That seems a very bizarre deal. Yeah, I'm always slightly sceptical of of the old sentence of reports out of Spain does seem to send shivers down my spine at times. But um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely an interesting one given, you know, Trincao's not really played um, anywhere else apart from in Portugal. Um, he's obviously very young. He's, you know, no minutes at a high level. Um, and I, I'm unsure whether he's the player that, that Leicester kind of need to fill that gap in the squad. It feels like they might be able to get a winger that's far cheaper who's actually, you know, maybe more ready to hit the ground running. So I'm kind of a bit sceptical on it but equally I do really trust the, the scouting and recruitment work that Leicester done I feel that they have a, a better hit rate than most Premier League clubs um, in terms of you know replacing talent that has to be sold or just like going out on a limit and buying someone new I think that the recruit, recruitment set that they got there is is you know first class really so um, you know if they've seen something in Trincao or they think there's value in that deal then um, I kind of put my faith in them to to be doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm with you. I'm a little bit sceptical on that one, but there's a couple of names that have been mentioned in terms of attacking midfielders: um, David Brooks at Bournemouth and Todd Cantwell at Norwich. Now, I understand both have been on Leicester's radar and have been looked at and have been assessed. I understand there's got a number of options though. Um, there hasn't been an offer for David Brooks yet, um, and Tom Cantwell is obviously is very much in the Madison mould as well, isn't he? As another um, up and coming young English attacking midfielder, but. Both of those will be of interest, but I, I've got a feeling they've got other targets as well they're assessing at the same time. What, what have you made, Matt, of T- Todd and David in, in terms of them being targets? Well, I, I can see why. You know, they're, they're both exciting players, technically gifted, aren't they? And um, you know, they, they catch the eye. They catch the eye when, when um, Brooks has been out injured, hasn't he, for a period of time. But um, Campwell, you know, saw him in the flesh at the King Power. He was impressive that day. Seen him a number of times throughout the season. He's got a little bit of a, like you say, a little bit of James Madison about him in a good way. He struts around a little bit. He's not 
shy of expressing himself, but I, I think players need to be encouraged to do that. You know, keep a keep a lid on it, of course, but um, you know, express yourselves and show a bit of character. I think there'll be a number of people looking at Campwell, yeah, because I, I don't think he was, you know, a one-season wonder or anything. You know, he, he performed reasonably consistently well, didn't he? You know, a team that really you know, struggled overall. I know they had their moments, Norwich, but and more often than not, when they had the moments, he was involved. I think you, you could see him slotting into a, a Leicester team, couldn't you? Whether it be... I mean, you're talking about another attacking midfielder to help out Madison or play when he's not playing. I mean, Campbell's probably too good for that. But let, I, I think you're right. Leicester do need a little bit more creativity in midfield. Tillemans does it to a level at certain times, but he's not really dynamic enough. Um, you know, the real creative influence is Madison, and Madison pretty much alone. Pratt needs to develop that side of his game. And, but he could also play wide as well, can't he, Campwell? He could play supporting the front man, whoever that is. He could play out wide and coming off the flanks. You know, he, he, would, he would cover a few positions, and I'd be surprised if they didn't have a strong look at him, that's for sure. Absolutely. What about, what about centre-back then, Matt? An area that obviously you know very well. Um, they tried for Tarkowski at the, uh, the the last transfer window when they lost Maguire. Couldn't get him. It was going to be a very expensive deal. Uh, likewise, Ake, who's now gone to Man City, they, they really liked him, but that deal was going to be ridiculously expensive, so they couldn't do that. And then they, in the end, they decided to go with Siunsu instead, which turned out to be a fantastic move and, and bank that money. But they still need to get a centre-back in. And we know there was strong interest in Demaral at Juventus, the Turkish international defender as well, Siunsu's um, fellow countryman. Is there any candidates out there you think would fit in and, and, and challenge Siunsu and Evans? Because they're not coming just to make up the numbers like, unfortunately, Ryan Bennett did on loan from Wolves. Yeah, that's that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, much as you're likely to get your share of games alongside you know Evans and Siunsu, but they're, they're the first, first choice pair, aren't they? Where's Morgan still around? will get his, his handful of games, I would imagine. He, he has a contract for next season as well, doesn't he? Unless, unless you're going for someone, you know, at the top level of the game, which Leicester are very unlikely to do, you know, that you're coming as a competitor at best, aren't you? You're certainly not coming as a as a guaranteed first-choice centre-half. So that's a little bit of a problem. I mean, if Demoral was like you know, to come, he, he's had his problems at Juventus. Uh, hasn't played regularly, but he's not going to leave Juventus to to do the same at Leicester. Mm. Uh, and Johnny Evans will have something to say about it. Like, so aren't you? I mean, you know, it's part and parcel of, of professional football. You, you're going to have competition. You need that, but it's finding a balance at it. You don't want to sign someone and then they end up unhappy. Is Brendan going to pers- persevere with the back three? Yeah. I would. I would think probably not. Like the way it went, the back end of the season, I thought, and as you mentioned it, and Tom. Leicester were at their best when they played that back four, didn't they? The four-one-four-one system. I think you know. I think he's likely to revert to that. Hey everyone, James Richardson here from the Totally Football Show. Listen, eleven months on, we're finally getting to the best bit of this football season because the Champions League and Europa League are about to restart at the sharp end. Last eight knockout tournaments await in Portugal and Germany, and we'll be following both competitions with special nightly podcasts every single match day, ready for you to download first thing in the morning. So have your breakfast with Honigstein, Horncastle, Cox, Gurionov and all your other totally favourites, and me, as we wave goodbye to this epic footballing year in style. 
Our daily Totally Summer special is available on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. And of course, you can also listen to it ad-free on the Athletic app. Tom, are there any candidates that spring to your mind you think Leicester City, they would really suit a move to Leicester City, they could really help this team move forward? I mean, we, 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 we're not going in the realms of fantasy with um, the Coutinho link. I mean, that was complete nonsense. That was, that was a non-starter. Likewise, the Lalana link, both of those were not on Leicester's uh, agenda. So is there any realistic ones that uh, you can think of? Because the TIFO guys came up with uh, Jonathan Panzo, the uh, England under 21 international who's currently at Monaco. Was there any that you could think of? One that kind of springs to mind is, is maybe Ethan Pinnock, who plays for Brentford, um, just because he's used to playing in a system which, um, you know, the defence do see a fair amount of the ball. Um, he sits alive, uh, alongside Pontus Janssen, and both of them are kind of ranked really highly in terms of the amount of passes that they have to make. So I think that he's someone who maybe would fit the mould for Rodgers, and maybe, you know, he doesn't have that Premier League experience, but he's he's shot up in recent years, going from Barnsley, he... He's been one of the, the better defenders in the championship last year, which means he's had to deal against all sorts of attacking styles. Um, and also, the you know, fee-wise, Brentford haven't got promoted, so he, he's, you know, he's probably going to be far cheaper than a more European-based option. Um, and I think he, he fits the profile of what Rodgers wants far more than, say, you know, your, your Tarkovskis and other guys who aren't used to having the ball at their feet so often. And what about in midfield as well? Do you agree that Brooks and Cantwell could be contenders there? Is there any others that you think they could do a job? I like the Brooks shout, and I think he's maybe the better of the two and maybe the better value. Um, Cantwell, to me, I've I've never really bought into the hype as such, and I think that uh, you know we've we've seen this here in the Premier League. He's not done a ton. He's not created a lot, and obviously this isn't a a great team in um, in Norwich, and obviously they've been relegated. But I, I do think on Norwich the better talent maybe is is Emi Buendia. Um, I really like. Buendia and I think that he he as well is probably available for a good fee right now um he the only issue with him is he just doesn't doesn't shoot he like never shoots um and so you've got a, another creative talent and he's used to pressing um but he he's someone who you can't really rely on goals for but then again that's not really what what Leicester need they kind of have goals in other areas so um yeah trying to pick off talents from Recently relegated teams is one way to, to find value. They can't go far wrong with, with Brooks or um, Wendy, in my mind. Well, we'll certainly see what they're, uh, what they're up to in the next few weeks. I imagine it'll uh, have to move quite quickly um, if they want these lads in for the start of the season, especially when they're juggling that Europa League as well. That's all we've got time for on this edition of 5,000 to 1. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, uh, you can uh, take advantage of a 30-day free trial now. Uh, go to theathletic.com forward slash Leicester pod. Tom, thank you very much for joining us. Cheers, Rob. And Matt, once again, thank you very much. Touching base with you again in the very near future. 